Welcome to the One Golden Moment Podcast. This is Justice De Los Santos, joined as always by Rory O'Toole. And we finally had the opportunity to string together two weeks in a row of podcasts. It's unbelievable. And, you know, after the first couple podcasts where we talked five games and six games, today we're only going to be talking about one, Cal's 82-73 loss to Seattle University. But before we get into any of that, MJ, hit that beat. As you know, we're always breaking ground on this podcast, just being the most entertaining podcast ever, or, well, that's kind of, that's kind of it. We, are, we, are we taking that claim? We get a lot of feedback from people sliding our DMs saying you guys are the best thing ever. My mom loves you. It's like, it's too much sometimes. It's hard to be a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> on a serious note, so typically the past couple times that we've recorded these podcasts, we've talked about a couple games. This time around, we're going to be talking about one game. So instead of one, going, one really bad game, it was a, it was a rough game, yeah. and so you could kind of tell just the tone in mm. Viking Jones's voice that it wasn't really a, a happy post game, and it was it also took a while for him to get up there. It was about a, twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah, we were in there for a while. Um, I mean, it makes sense when you lose a game like this game which the score doesn't completely tell I feel like if you just checked in you're like oh we only lost by nine like how bad could it be like no it was terrible in the first half we came out horribly which is what Viking was mentioning uh, quite a few times in the post game press conference and it was a it was a troubling game so I'm not surprised that he uh, kind of laid into his team there yeah. and uh, brought that awkward energy to the press conference. It was about eight games, or eight days, rather, since their last game against San Jose State. And with a schedule like that, it could go one of two ways. Either you come out with that post-Christmas energy, that rejuvenation, yeah. or you come out with that other type of post-Christmas energy, that, that family function. Maybe little, ate a little too much. Yeah, a little bit of that food coma. Exactly. And... With Cal tonight, it was it was apparent that they came out of the gates just really flat. Yeah. I mean, flat's an understatement. That's what they kept saying. I felt like it was... They weren't even there. It was like they were asleep. Like, I don't... There was no movement on offense. There was very little effort given on the boards. It was just like they were sleepwalking, to be honest. It was terrible. Dare I say... Sleepless against Seattle. Whoo! That's Fuego. <laughs> but That's we're talking. Fuego. about... We've been hitting a couple of generalizations. Let's get into the numbers here. And the one that jumps out to me in terms of that slow start was just how bad of a of an early lead that Seattle jumped out to. Specifically, with about at the twelve minute mark, Seattle led twenty one to four. Twenty one to four. Um. And they were on a 21-2 run over those last seven minutes. 13-0 over the last four minutes, and Cal didn't score in nearly five minutes during that sequence. And again, as Rory just meant, as alluded to, the final score doesn't tell everything. So when you contextualize it with the fact that they were down by 17 points only about eight minutes into the game, yeah. you've got you to give them a little something for being able to climb back into the game in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I... 
I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Towards the end of the half, they were kind of coming back. We drew within 10, I think. Um, and then, yeah, I think we hit our first three buckets in the second half, right? We had a steal from Paris or Darius for a layup, and then another layup. So we came out. We took the lead. It kind of was going back and forth early in the second half, and uh, we just kind of maintained it. On the flip side of that, though, when you're expending that much energy, having to dig yourself out of a hole, a 17-point mm-hmm. hole that early in the game, and there's that already a sense of urgency super on that if we don't hit the gas pedal right now. Yeah. So they turn this game more into an, a full-out sprint than a marathon, and I think that's what really sunk them in the second half as they were starting to mm-hmm. tear that line between taking a lead and maintaining a really close game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like the game slowed down, right? Like, we both mentioned it to each other. It was noticeably more physical and more grinding out each possession. When they were coming back, it was more of an open game, kind of fast break and a three here or there. And, uh, I mean, Kelly had four blocks. I'm sure he had one or two of them during that run. And then uh, just kind of grinded to a halt. Yeah, there was a period about midway through the second half where... It just seemed both teams couldn't score a bucket to save their lives. No. no. I mean, and the refs seemed like they wanted to call everything. I mean, there was some periods there where it was just foul, 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 foul. There's whistles all day. There weren't even periods of it. It was throughout the whole game. If you look 57 at, in total, guys. 57 personal fouls, I believe. Some, somewhere upwards of 60 free throw shot. I thought the Fresno State game was bad. That thing was slow this game you know t- college basketball games typically last two hours at the most this mm-hmm. thing boarded on two and a half hours yeah and then you factor in the post-game press conference wait it was like a baseball game today um <laughs> yeah i don't know exactly how much of it had to do with both teams were just getting lazy and they were tired from uh throwing haymakers at each other earlier and maybe they were just uh, fouling more often or the refs just kind of wanted to get in the game a little bit more but yeah that's a season high right 57 fouls it has to be I feel like for Cal on both ends of the floor both them being fouled and on the other end of them fouling the other team that probably has to border on a season high because the Fresno State game they committed 28 personal fouls Mm -hmm. so and I don't I didn't recollect Fresno State fouling them you know 29 times either so yeah. that, this has to be a season high in terms of fouls called in a game that Cal has participated it in it has to be but not just the in the personal fouls where you know there may have been somewhat of a lack of energy there is also a noticeable discrepancy in the rebounding yeah big big uh, rebounding differential what was it exactly I think the or game was... ended with it just being nine but the discrepancy was much higher in the first half, and yeah, for Seattle with a with a big man. I mean, the second chance points Seattle had nineteen, we only had seven, and they had uh, thirty two points in the paint. They definitely got after it on the offensive rebounds as well, and yeah, you and I both know that offensive rebounds more than anything that's a function of wanting it, and totally, you know, the discrepancy wasn't as big in the offensive rebounding category. I believe it was only four. But with Vanover missing his third consecutive game, mm-hmm. with Antisevich getting into foul trouble early on, mm-hmm. Kelly being on, the only true big man on the floor, 
a lot of that responsibility is going to fall on the guards instead of instead of leaking out to you know get in the paint. Mm-hmm. And as Coach Jones noted in the post game presser, that he believes that they weren't doing enough to get yeah. down in the paint, do some of that dirty work to account for the lack of size. Yeah, I think there's something to that definitely because um, I mean when you're lacking in size like Cal's, you need all hands on deck. But at the same time, I don't know. It's like. Uh, Damned if you do, damned if you don't. There's just kind of a personnel issue where you just don't have enough big guys, and I don't really know how to reconcile that. Yeah. And on the last podcast, I recollect you uh, calling this Cal team a comparison to one of the greatest offensive teams in the history of Houston NBA Rockets, basketball. baby. Yeah. Tonight they only shot 14 three-pointers, made five of them. It seemed that you know they were going a little way, a little bit away from the three-pointers some of that was a function mm-hmm. of instead of helping out on shooters on the drive it was more giving them the drive and you know if if that's the decision if that's the route that they want to go go that route but we're not giving you the three-point ball yeah yeah why well, can uh, mention that and uh yeah i think that had a lot to do with it because we took 31 against san jose state and i know it's san jose state but still um, 14 is pretty low on attempts for us. And, yeah, they seem to be staying home on the shooters and ask Paris to beat them, you know. So I'm going to be interested to see if that's a strategy going forward against Cal because uh, coaches are definitely taking notice that uh, we were the Houston Rockets at one point. But if you stay home on our shooters, we turn into um, the opposite of the Houston Rockets. I don't know exactly what that'd be. <laughs> Nothing good. And there was one possession in it was about it was late in the second half where the ball was swung to a wide open Juwan Harris Dyson wide in the corner. Open. And it's been documented that Harris Dyson is not a shooter. Mm-hmm. But you now you see that and once you start getting the conference play, you gotta think that teams are sort of just gonna you know, give him that treatment and be like you know if you want to like leave him in the corner we're going to leave him in the corner and we're Mm -hmm. just going to double whoever like we're going to double a shooter we're going to stay home on shooters we're going to double who has the ball but we're going to leave him to shoot that ball as he may and if memory serves correct he hasn't made a three all season Mm -hmm. and if he has made a three in his career it's probably one or two if that i don't have any memory of him like attempting a jump shot i don't even know what his form looks like (laughs) Yeah, no, that was that was a very troubling moment. That's when you get a minus grade in 2K for passing up the open shot right there. That was pretty egregious. Um, yeah, you at least like to see him drive with it, right? Instead of, I mean, he just held it and waited for his man to come back, and then he passed it out. It was like, uh, at least drive it, maybe try to get fouled or, you know, drive and kick something. But, yeah, that's going to, I mean... He brings a lot on the defensive end, and he's a huge energy, high-effort guy on a team that somehow sometimes is lacking in it, so they kind of need to play him, but that is a uh, big uh, weakness for him. Speaking of the energy, when we were walking over to the office uh, to record this podcast, you alluded to uh, Roman Davis potentially being an energy spark off the bench after Antisevich mm-hmm. got into foul trouble, but... Davis had one of the more... He had a play that sort of, in my mind, summed up the game. And there was a play when I believe he was trying to... It was a dribble handoff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, very fundamental play. Yeah. 
It's like a handoff in football. Yeah, hand the ball off to Should a guy. Should be pretty simple. Relatively simple. <laughs> 99 times out of 100, you're probably not going to turn the ball over. But I can't remember who the Seattle defender was, but that defender sniffed it out, turned it over, and that ball's I going the other way. I think Means got it, yeah. So plays like that, very fundamental plays. Plays that you... Kind of set the tone. It did set the tone. I was going to go. When I saw that, I was... You know, I was on the floor. I was taking photos. And you were back up in press row, and then I, after the next dead ball, I texted you immediately. It's like, did he just turn the ball over on a, <laughs> a dribble handoff? Yeah. Oh, he certainly did. Um, and I'm sure he's gonna get roasted in a film session for that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where Cal's at at the moment. We can't really do the little things correctly. And if you can't do the little things correctly, I mean, yeah. you have no shot against Seattle University and especially in the conference play, which is fast approaching. Cal definitely totters on that line between this is a freshman team, look at their potential, and this is a freshman team, I don't know if I'm comfortable watching them over 40 minutes. Yeah, it's... um, Well, what you want to see is player development, right, with a young team. And sometimes you don't see any development. Like you are mentioning with... Uh, Juwan, like sometimes you wonder, is he working on that jump shot? Because we don't see it, you know. So it's if you're gonna be a young team, you at least want to see players like progressing throughout the season. And sometimes it's uh, more of a regression than progression right now. With the conclusion of this game, we've officially reached the end of non-conference play. Cal currently stands at five and seven. And I alluded in the preseason shoot-around that my X-factor for the season would be Jawan. you know. Last season, he was his biggest impediment was the illness, lost 20 pounds, had to regain that on the fly, and, you know, be a freshman in college basketball and be a role player in college basketball. And for any freshman, that's not an easy task, but my mindset was he has a full off-season to get healthy, mm-hmm. he, um, you know, get that weight back up, develop yeah. a jump shot, work on his game. But unfortunately, he hasn't really turned out to be that player, at least so far. There's a lot of season left, but at least so far, he hasn't really been that player who I expected him to be and who Cal needs him to be. Yeah, and that's kind of back to the whole player development thing, where you don't really know what's uh, what he's working on exactly. Because right now, he's still a very instinctual player, where I feel like he... Uh, you know, he'll die for a loose ball. I mean, he had a nice dunk today, right? I mean, he's he can make all those athletic plays that are kind of just natural, but as far as, like, thinking the game and picking his spots, still kind of lacking. Yeah, and what you do have at minimum with Harris Dyson is a very athletic wing who could... He's our most athletic dude, right? Definitely the most athletic yeah. player on this Cal team. Someone that can defend multiple players. But you always have to consider that, you know, he might have like if he doesn't continue to work on you know the most important aspect of basketball which is putting that ball in the bucket mm. regardless of how he does it mm. you might begin to think especially as this season goes along that we might have begin to question like has he hit his peak as a collegiate basketball player is this the most we're mm. going to see out of him and you know I don't like to say that about young players especially a, a sophomore like him who is going to have a lot of time to develop but, you know, you, you do have to question at some point the, the issue of player development. How has he improved from year one to year two? And exactly. you know, this is someone that averaged 
you know, six points and a couple rebounds per game in limited minutes. So you expect that to at least improve a little bit, but he's definitely regressed. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's concerning. And you you were mentioning he was the highest rated guy in the recruiting class with who with Kelly and uh, or not of Kelly not of, of Kelly um, of Justice Justice Darius yeah. and Jawan. Jawan was the highest rated prospect, and much of that was which due makes to, sense. Yeah, like I'm not surprised because his body and everything. You'd be like, oh, this guy could be a great player, but yeah. But speaking of concerns, not only uh, Cal was not the only. Pac-12 team to lose today. As we're recording this podcast, it is currently 8:51, and Stanford is playing Long Beach State. Currently holding on to a four-point lead. It has definitely not been the greatest day for the Pacific 12 Conference, also known as the Conference of Champions. So not the greatest month. Not the greatest right? season. Yeah. So as of recording time, let's just run through what the what's gone on in the conference today. This is just one day. Number six Nevada defeats Utah at home. You know, a little expected. Nevada, one of the better teams in the country. Currently one of the few, if not the only, team that still has yet to lose a game. Santa Clara defeats Washington State. I'll throw a little bit of a mulligan on this one. No Robert Franks. Robert Franks is their leading scorer. Now we get into concerning territory. And actually, before we get there, let's let's get a little happy. You know, Oregon defeats Boise State. Oregon State defeats Central Connecticut State. Opti- <laughs> optimism of Oski speaks to uh, the state of the Pac-12 right now. But the game of the day: Liberty defeats UCLA. Oof! By fifteen, at home. John Wooden is crying. You know, Kareem is crying. Kareem. You know, it's a good. Russell Westbrook is crying. It's a good thing that Bill Walton. Oh, how did I forget? If speaking of Bill Walton, he was he wasn't at the UCLA game because he was commentating a game in Arizona, Arizona State, Arizona State upset by Princeton. Princeton. Guys, I don't I don't even know what to say to that. You know, it's it's. I'm I've just mentioned in the in the power rankings that I my latest one. That Arizona State's been one of the only teams in this conference to not only meet expectations but exceed them. And they beat Kansas. They beat number one Kansas. Kansas, the best team in the country. In Kansas, correct? In Can? No, actually, no. It's in Arizona this time. Okay. They beat them last year in Kansas, but this year it was at Still, Arizona State. Kansas, and then you lose to Princeton. Yeah, they just. It's. I mean, that is the Pac-12 this year. One step forward, a million steps back. Just. And it's going to be up to the voting committee. <laughs> Unfortunately for us, they have yet to give us a couple of votes, for better or for worse. But you got to wonder, is the Pac-12 going to have any teams ranked come January 3rd, the beginning of conference play? Arizona State better like hope and pray that the voting committee has some type of mercy and or the teams that you know are in the top 25 or mm-hmm. in the vicinity just have a poor performance as well. Otherwise, we may not see a team in the, that's ranked in a couple days. That's pretty bad. More importantly is um, what what is the Pac-12 right now? Like, the WCC might be uh, better than us right now. 
it's a weird scenario because you look at the some of the top rosters in this conference. You see UCLA, Chris Wilkes, Moses Brown, Jalen Hands, Arizona State, Dort, Remy Martin, Cheatham, et cetera, et cetera. But and the then, coaches too. I mean there's good coaches. There's some high profile coaches as yeah. well. But Whew. it's been a disappointing season for the Pac twelve as a whole. But because of that, we, we alluded to this in the previous co- podcast, but because of how disappointing the Pac-12 has been, that may open up an opportunity for Cal to sneak in some wins here and there. You know, last week I called Rory the hot take machine. I'm going to rescind that and give him a new name, nickname. I'm going to call him the fax machine because he, spe- he speaks nothing but the truth I around these parts. I speak nothing but the truth. I, I tried to tell you guys last podcast, Pac-12 is garbage. Look at the numbers. Look at the games. I mean, not a lot of people are watching the games, let's be honest. But seriously, it's terrible right now. And we could honestly end up in a scenario, as outlandish as it does sound, where the Pac-12, a Power 5 conference, only sends one team. I still have a hard time seeing that, but it is dangerously possible. It really just depends on how conference play plays out. That's... As simple as that sounds, it is going to depend on can any of these teams, the the teams that don't win it all, that win the conference tournament, can any of those teams that don't win the conference championship prove enough to warrant going to the tournament? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, wow. I think if I was to put money down on any of the teams right now, I'm not endorsing gambling. Gambling is bad, children. Don't do it. But if I had to put my money on any team, any two teams, probably at this point Arizona State and Washington. Arizona State for the obvious reasons, but Washington, very experienced team, veteran team. And, yeah, I you think know, Washington should make it. What about Colorado? Colorado has had a relatively weak strength of schedule, and that's... Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Aside from that, Arizona, not really enough firepower all around to warrant it. We know about the documented problems of UCLA and USC. So not a lot of candidates to potentially go to the round of 64. This is not a good guess. This is a, this is a low point. What was the stat? Worst uh, showing by a conference in 20 years Yeah, in December? Former sports editor Joshua Ewan sent us a stat towards the end of the uh, Cal-Seattle game. Okay, so here's the stat. This is according to ESPN. The Pac-12 is enduring the worst non-conference winning percentage in a single December by a major conference in the past 20 seasons. The second worst on this list, the Big Ten in 2003 with a winning percentage of 60.5%, 46 wins, 30 losses. The Pac-12, in the year 2018, a 50.7 winning percentage, 37 and 36. This does not include the Stanford game that is currently going on. (laughs) If Stanford loses, the Pac-12 will have evenly split its non-conference games. The entire Pac-12, 37 and 37. Conference of champions. Conference of champions. God. Well, Rory, we are approaching the new year. It's currently December 29th. We're a couple days away. Yeah. you have any New Year's resolutions for Cal? Oh, for Cal. For Cal. Wow. 
There was no prep for this, man. I wish. Okay, let me think about this. Yeah. Quick, quick on the trigger. Um, I want Andre Kelly to use his spin move twice every game now instead of just once. He did it today, guys. You got fouled with the spin move. It's just the nastiest move in the Pac-12. I'm going to say that right now. I don't know what Jalen Hands is working with. I don't know what any of these other big shots are working with, but they do not have a spin move that beautiful. Um, Juwan Harris Dyson, let's see some jump shots. Just give me one. Just give me one. And uh, I'd like to see more of my boy Jacoby Gordon. I always like to see more of Gordon. I mean, he can shoot, guys. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say that's mine. You got any? You know, the biggest detriment to this Cal team is something that they can't really control right now, which is the personnel. Yeah. You know, compared to last season, they don't have a Marcus Lee. They don't have a Kingsley Okoro. They don't have that true rim protector. And it's because of that, they're... Cal's hand is sort of forced. Mm. They have to play Andre at the five. They have to play Grant at the five. But what they what they do have are guards. They do have wings. So my biggest resolution for Cal is maybe clean up that three-point defense a little bit. You know, they've been shooting three-pointer excellent. Uh, one of the better three-point shooting teams in the conference. But get those rotations cleaned up. Get that talking cleaned up. And... Work with what you got. Play to your strengths. Don't allow teams these wide-open three-point opportunities that they've had all throughout non-conference play. Because if you give them those, especially when you start getting into conference play and teams know you by heart, yeah, it's not going to be a beautiful conference play. I will say tonight, Seattle only shot eight threes. Um, I don't know how much credit we want to give to Cal's defense for that. I think that's that might be more a function of Seattle as a team. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty low, but. You know, if you want to be optimistic, we can look at that and say, hey, they're, they're on their way, maybe a little bit. But as we do get into conference play, those there are teams that do have totally solid three-point shooters. Mm-hmm. So if Cal isn't rotating properly, if they're not communicating properly, and teams are getting these wide-open three-point shots, regardless of how well they score the ball, because they have scored the ball pretty well compared to last season, yeah, it's going to be a long conference play. Yeah, it's um, you're right about the personnel thing. I mean, we really can't control that, so we have to do all the very basic fundamental things perfectly in order to stay in these games. So, with that being said, do you have any uh, final thoughts regarding tonight's game, non-conference play? This is our chance, man. If the back 12 is this bad... <laughs> Are you saying this is Cal's chance, 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 chance for what? Chance to be functional again as a basketball program. Um, chance to, you know, get some wins that you never thought would happen, like um, Liberty over UCLA, you know? Something crazy like that, like Princeton over Arizona State. I mean, we can't rule anything out at this point, right? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in conference play. It's going to be the Wild West out there. Um, so... Don't be surprised if Cal has some random wins. I mean, there's probably going to be some bad losses in there. But, hey, the world's full of possibilities in this trash, trash, garbage, steaming pile of just absolute mediocrity that is 
the conference of champions circa 2018. I thought you were alluding to the <laughs> the way where you were going with that. I thought you were saying that they could win the Pac-12. No, 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 no. Um, maybe in like three years, four years, you know. But uh, no, not now. That's a respectable take. Very warm take. Very warm. Very lukewarm. I take. Just, like you guys. I speak facts, right? Facts. They're not even takes. It's just <laughs> truth. But with that being said, this has been episode number four of the One Golden Moment podcast. Justin Del Santos, Rory O'Toole, signing off. Peace.